0: There's a spot in Kentucky, in the Daniel Boone National Forest that always has and always will creep me out. My father has told me stories of him fishing around dusk with his cousin in this place. A branch of the local lake leads out this way through the hills. This one time they're out fishing and about head home when they start hearing noises coming from the surrounding forest. Keep in mind there's a dead end road here, and there's only one way in and out of this canyon. There are no houses and no other roads into this place. Out from the woods people come, and they don't say a word. My dad claims that they looked unwashed, clothes torn, just staring them down, like something out of deliverance. I guess my dad or his cousin flashed a pistol, and they both just backed off toward their truck and drove off, this other time him camping out there with a friend. This is sort of toward the end of the same road, which would be maybe five, six miles long until it hits a dead end. As we're sitting around the fire around midnight, we begin to hear forest noises. No big deal, right? Could be a deer or a raccoon or possum or something shuffling about. Then we begin to hear splashes further away in the water. It sounded like maybe a carp was splashing around and it sounded pretty far off at that. No big deal. The shuffling gets louder from all sides and the splashing increases in volume, as well as frequency, until it feels like something is right on top of us. We have no idea what so we drop everything and hop in my truck and drive off. After many discussions, we have never arrived at a conclusion and we have never gone back. I'm not the type to believe in the supernatural, the occult, or even cryptids for that matter. But there's this one experience, an eerie encounter on the eve of Halloween that shook me to my call. I was young and invincible then, or so I believed, cruising down the rural roads of Illinois in my sleek sports car. It was a pitch black night, the kind that makes you feel like you're the only person left in the world, and I was relishing the solitude. Suddenly, out of nowhere, a black cat darted across the road, Its eyes, reflecting in my headlights, gave me just enough time to swerve, narrowly avoiding hitting it. The car spun out of control, the tires screeching against the asphalt and came to a stop with the headlights facing a nearby field. And that's when I saw them. Dozens of people, all donned in black robes, standing amidst the tall grass. Their eyes, wide with surprise, reflected in my high beams. The sight was so surreal, so out of place, it took me a moment to fully comprehend what I was seeing. Before I could react, they scattered. Like shadows fleeing from the light, they dissolved into the darkness. But a few, their faces hidden beneath their robes, started charging towards my car. Fear gripped me, adrenaline surging through my veins. I could hear my heart pounding in my ears, and without thinking, I slammed on the accelerator, peeling out of there as fast as I could. The sight of the robed figures, their forms shrinking in my rearview mirror, is something I'll never forget. Now, this was back in the late 90s, before the Harry Potter frenzy took over. So, it's safe to say it wasn't some fan gathering. I don't know what they were doing out there in the middle of nowhere, in the dead of night. But it felt like I had stumbled upon something I wasn't supposed to see. Now, to the part that still gives me chills to this day... In the split second before I hit the gas, I saw something else in that field. At the edge of my high beams, there was a figure, far taller than any of the robed people, hunched over and covered in hair. It stood on two legs and its eyes, glowing in the darkness, met mine. I've heard tales of cryptids, stories told to scare kids or thrill seekers. But in that moment, I couldn't deny what I was seeing. It was something unknown, something out of place in the world as I knew it. I didn't stick around to find out what it was. I just drove, leaving the field, the robed people and the cryptid far behind. I saw the skinwalker. The day began when I woke up from my bed and looked through the window. It was still morning when I went to school and noticed the door was open. The bathroom door was also open. I entered and saw a head looking at me through the window. I ran out, locked the bathroom, and left the house. I went to school until I heard footsteps behind me. I started running, and when I reached the window, I saw a shadow. When my classmates arrived, the shadow disappeared. Later when I went out, I saw my house in a mess. Then I saw him at the door of my room. I ran, grabbed a pan, and continued running until it was afternoon. I went back inside my house and it was empty. I lay down on my bed and fell asleep. I have seen what I believe to be greys and I've seen them on two different occasions. Once when I was a child, I had an experience one night. I was probably around six or seven years old. I remember sitting up in the bed. You know, back there in those days, back when I was a kid, people didn't lock their doors, stuff like that. I kind of lived out in somewhat of a rural area, and I remember the door coming open one night, and this light coming through it. I mean, just this bright, like a bluish-white light, and I remember seeing this little person come walking in, and he had this kind of leotard jumpsuit on, and he came up, and he sat down on the bed with me. And here I am, five or six years old, freaking out, you know and I'm freaking out, and I'm trying to scream, but nothing is coming out. This creature, being, or whatever it was, just kind of sat there a minute. Then it got up and walked into the kitchen, and my little curious self went in there, and there was nothing in there. So I kind of chalked it up to be some kind of childhood dream or hallucination or something like that. It wasn't until I was an adult that I saw a similar being, almost in the same way. I had just gotten married at that time back in like 1996, and the thing came into my house in the same type of manner. So have I seen them? Well, if I haven't seen them, then I've had some pretty damn vivid dreams of them. Now, if you want to look at it from the perspective of, have I seen them while I was Bigfoot hunting? Well, I haven't seen a creature per se but I have seen some very strange craft-like objects and funny glowing little lights and stuff going through the woods and stuff while I was bigfooting. I don't know. Even now, I'm a tad bit unsure if what I saw was even real, but I'm 99% sure that, yes, I have seen aliens. When I was a teenager, probably about 15, 16, I was hanging out with a group of friends out on the back deck at my buddy's house, which backs up to a small forested green strip, pretty much a forested area that runs through residential areas to provide habitat and protect streams from pollution. One of my friends looked down off the deck and said, WTF is that? When I looked, there was what I can only describe as a huge humanoid-shaped shadow figure. Its proportions weren't normal. It was very broad, didn't seem to have a neck, and was just massive, like seven, eight feet tall. It didn't have any discernible features, no eyes, mouth, hair, etc. It just seemed to be made out of the absence of light, if that makes sense. It was just standing there facing us at the edge of the tree line. Has anyone ever heard of anything like this? Obviously Bigfoot or Sasquatch kind of comes to mind as far as the size and shape, but I don't think that's what we saw. Recently, my fiancé and I were watching a movie. I'm not sure what it was, but there was a scene in the movie with a UFO. We got into a conversation about it, and she asked me if I had ever seen a UFO. I proceeded to tell her the same story that I'm about to tell you that I had never told anybody because, to be quite honest as I was telling her the story, memories were coming to me that I had completely put in the back of my mind. I lived in a small town called Dover, Missouri about 60 miles east of Kansas City. I was living with a girlfriend at the time and her brother. My girlfriend worked the night shift, so I would stay up late at night and wait for her to get home in the morning. For some reason, we decided to go to Concordia, Missouri, to a truck stop for coffee. The truck stop was about 25 to 30 miles away from where we were. My girlfriend's brother was driving his car and I was riding in the passenger seat. We left the house at about 12.30 or 1 o'clock in the morning and proceeded to drive east on Highway 24 leaving Dover towards the exit to go to Concordia. My girlfriend's brother had some god-awful rap music playing in the car and I was looking out the window watching for deer. As I am looking out the window he is talking but I'm really not paying attention to what he is saying because I see a bright light about a mile ahead 200 feet off the ground ahead of us. I was able to gauge the distance because I could see beyond the water tower that I was familiar with at an orchard on Highway 24. I could clearly make out that the red light was flashing on top of the water tower and this light appeared to be just off to the side of it and above it. I watched the light for about a minute or two and I asked him if he saw what I saw. I can only describe it as a ball of light that changed colors. As we got closer, I noticed that it was not moving. It was stationary side by side with the light on top of the water tower. Keep in mind, this water tower is in the middle of nowhere. There are no buildings around for at least 15 to 20 miles beside the barn that was on the opposite side of the road and is about half the height of the water tower. I remember telling him it was not moving. We stopped the car to get out and look at it, and it started to move this is the point of the story where my fiancé asked me what happened next, and, to be honest, until she asked me that question, I never thought about it, and I do not remember what happened next. My next memory is turning south onto the side road off Highway 24, but I believe that it was much later when we arrived at the truck stop around 3 a.m., but it seemed perfectly normal to us at the time and remained that way until the night I was with my fiancé many years later. As I have thought about it more the last month or so, I remember flashes of images, but I do not trust the images are accurate because as I said, I'm not sure what happened. My dad saw the Michigan dog man back in the 70s or 80s in the northern part of Michigan. I remember the first time he told me. I had never heard of it but was just starting to get into the paranormal, cryptid universe, and I was shook. He said, him, and a few buddies were driving up North Michigan to their other buddy's house to go hunting. When they pulled over to take a quick bathroom break, if anyone knows Northern Michigan. You know how dense the forests can be. They all got out, and as they were doing their business, one of them started howling as a joke. Then they heard something howl back at them, very close. It happened again, and they all jumped in the car as fast as they could. As they were pulling back on the road, my dad said a dog-like creature wearing a tattered soldier uniform came from behind the brush and stood there. He said he couldn't believe what he was seeing, and it was as if time stood still for a few minutes. They continued driving away as fast as they could, which caused them to take a wrong turn and got lost. My dad said they had to sleep in the car that night so they could find their way back to their friend's house in daylight. I know my dad wouldn't make up the story. He said a few years later, a bunch of sightings started coming out of the woodwork in northern Michigan as well. There's even a song about it. I'm curious, has anyone seen a dog man or any other cryptids in Michigan? Ever since I was a kid, I remember my grandma denouncing horror of any kind, ghoulish Halloween masks, haunted houses, scary movies. I had attributed this aversion to her background and faith. She is Hispanic and a devout Catholic. She believes anything horror related is wrong, evil, you name it. So imagine my shock and curiosity when my grandparents shared a bombshell. Back in 1974, my grandpa convinced my grandma to see the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This would be her first and last scary movie. The weekend after the movie, my grandpa, grandma, my then toddler age mother, and my aunts and uncles decide that they will go horseback riding for the first time. Since everyone lived in Wisconsin, my family made the journey to a farm about two hours away. For the most part, everyone is in high spirits. Who can say no to a family adventure on a crisp autumn Wisconsin day? Despite the other's excitement, my grandma is worried. Since she doesn't care for horses, she chooses to stay behind on her own with my mother. When my family arrives at the farm, it is three o'clock. According to my grandma, she watched everyone get saddled up and then slowly ride off into the tangle of trees. The guide leading my family called out that the ride would last less than two hours, mentioning different trails, the need for breaks, things of that nature. My grandma figures everyone will be back by five o'clock. She waits with my mother in the car, playing games, reading storybooks, and trying to silence her bubbling anxiety. Needless to say, five o'clock comes and goes. No sign of my family. By this time, my mother has fallen asleep, which leaves my grandma with no way to distract herself from her worries. Finally, when six o'clock rolls around, she calls to a farmhand from her car window. No way is she leaving the safety of her vehicle. She demands to know why her family hasn't returned yet when five o'clock has long since passed. By now, darkness has begun bleeding into the Wisconsin sky. The farmhand assures her that everything is okay and that extra paths are taken throughout the ride. He tells her that her family should return soon. Now keep in mind, this was well before cell phones were a thing. Also, a week before... She had seen her first scary movie, and it had scared the shit out of her. At this point, my poor grandma feels like she's living out a scene from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. She tries to contain her worry and begins a hushed, fearful prayer, until the flash of lightning that is soon followed by ear-splitting thunder. The noise wakes my mother, who starts to cry. My grandma must now not only ponder the frightening question of where her family went, but she also has a stressed, howling two-year-old to deal with. It is now reaching seven o'clock. The storm is growing more ferocious by the second. My grandma has to pee and her bladder feels like it's going to explode. But between the roar of the storm and the images of crazed country maniacs plaguing her mind, she refuses to leave the vehicle. She plans in her head that if they aren't back by 7.30, She's going to leave and find the nearest gas station to phone for help. Again, no cell phones during these days. 7.30 comes. Her family hasn't come out from the woods. As she's scrambling around the car for the keys, she realizes my grandpa never gave them to her. The pound of a fist against her window shakes her from her whirlwind of panic. That panic amplifies by a million when she notices a sizable brawny man peering in at her. He is wearing a jacket, and the hood covers his head. My grandma says that, by now, it felt like someone had pushed a button and sent the world into slow motion. Everything crawled by at a snail's pace. Why don't you and the little one come inside? The man yells. His words are authoritative and carry no hint of warmth. He isn't speaking from a place of concern. He's ordering my grandma into the farmhouse. All my grandma can do is shout. Where is my family? The man responds gruffly. We're looking for them. My grandma orders him to call the police. The next words the man said made my grandma literally piss her pants. We don't need the police. As he turns to go back into his house, he says, you and the baby can come inside whenever you are ready. My grandma starts to sob, wholly convinced that her family has been brutally murdered and that she and her baby will be next. In the chaos of this moment, she hears someone calling her name. But because of the pitch-black darkness and her profound fear, she knows she must be hearing things. Then she hears her name again, this time even louder. Dora, help me. It's my grandpa's voice. When she realizes this, she puts my mom in the back seat, grabs the wooden baseball bat my grandpa keeps under his seat, locks the doors, and then exits the car. Keep calling my name, I can't see you, she cries. After what feels like an eternity, she follows my grandpa's voice to his location. When she gets to him, she realizes my grandpa needed help because he is guiding my aunt across the high, rain-soaked grass. She hurt her ankle. They are both drenched from mud and rain and covered in scratches. The rest of my family is nowhere in sight. Before my grandma can assume the worst, she hears my uncle calling for my grandpa. One by one, everyone shuffles out of the wild woods and through the tall grass. Everyone is soaked in mud and injured in some capacity. Cuts, gashes, limping, unsteady. All are shaken as well. When they finally make it back to their vehicles, The sounds of running engines and the flood of headlights gets the attention of the man inside the farmhouse. The farmhouse door swings open and the brawny man comes to stand on the porch. With an amused chuckle, he draws, ''Oh, you all made it out of there!'' My grandpa shouts, ''That dumb asshole left us out there and never came back.'' All the man says in response is, ''I'll have to talk to him about that. You all can come inside.'' His freakishly flippant and joking attitude sinks into his words. He knows damn well they aren't going into his house. My grandma begs my grandpa to leave it and get them out of here. With that, my family tears out of there as fast as humanly possible. Once my family was back home and safe, my grandpa explained what had happened. During the ride, the guide led them deep into the woods to a creek, where the horses stopped for a drink. As the horses rested, the guide told my family he had to go do something and would be back in twenty minutes. My family thought this was strange and my grandpa even anxiously joked, You're coming back, right? The guide simply gave a low chuckle and took off on his horse. Twenty minutes came and went and the guide didn't return. My family continued to wait as they had no idea where to go. They could see the sky blackening above them, they would have to make it out on their own. As my family rode off, they tried to remember the path back to the farm. They wandered aimlessly. Eventually, rain started to fall. Pulsing lightning and the crash of thunder spooked the horses. Everyone but my grandpa got thrown off their horses. When my grandpa climbed off his horse to help the others, his own horse galloped away as well. From there, It was a nightmare trying to navigate the woods while wounded and roaming through a thick void of darkness. The only advice I can give you is this. If you're going horseback riding, you better make sure it doesn't become a horseback ride from hell. So I grew up in rural South Georgia and lived with my parents and several siblings on a large farm. Most of my family grew up believing in paranormal activity, mostly due to our Native American heritage. My dad, on the other hand, was a staunch non-believer and would always discount our encounters as hogwash or overactive imaginations. My mom said for years that she would be woken during the night by disembodied voices. She said that it would sound like a room full of people where you couldn't hear a single conversation, but could tell the overall mood of the room. The activity would heighten around pivotal times in her life death of her mom-brother. For years, my dad would laugh it off and say he's never heard a thing. Even after all the kids moved out. Fast forward several years later and my dad had been diagnosed with large and small cell lymphoma and went through chemo hair and lost significant weight. I stayed with him around Christmas of 2020. And I vividly remember him telling me that he is routinely wakened by the same voices that he had discounted for decades. He said that he would check the house to make sure that no TVS or radios were running else, where because the chatter was so loud. He ended up passing away from cancer in March of 2021. Looking back on it, I wonder if the voices were warning or welcoming him to his final outcome. So a while ago, I went to my grandma's hometown in Mexico. She told me about not going to the creek at night, as there is some sort of water spirits that would steal children. I found this interesting and decided to investigate. And that day when the sun was going down, I made my way to the creek. It was quite the long walk and isolated. But soon enough, I started hearing drums and other types of instruments coming from that direction. The closer I got, the louder they got. And when I was a few yards away, it suddenly stopped. And I felt like I was being watched anyways. I made my way back home because I'm not dumb enough and had a terrible nightmare. It felt so real. And the only reason I snapped out of the dream was because my grandma heard me shout while sleeping and proceeded to cleanse me with an egg. It was a really weird experience and would like to find more info or similar experiences on this. Today was just like any other day at work in the utility sector. As part of my job, I often find myself working on remote transmission lines, ensuring that everything is functioning smoothly. As I made my way along the designated right of way, my attention was caught by a sign that stood tall on the edge of the woods. It had a stern warning written in bold letters, Don't enter the woods. It struck me as odd as I hadn't seen such a sign before during my routine inspections. Curiosity sparked within me, but a sense of caution held me back from venturing into the dense thicket. Nevertheless, my eyes couldn't help but dart toward the mysterious woods, seeking answers to the questions that now lingered in my mind. And that's when I saw it a chilling sight that sent shivers down my spine. Nestled among the trees, a wooden structure stood ominously It was a gallows, ancient and weathered. My heart skipped a beat as I gazed upon the gallows, realizing that it held two figures, or rather, lifeless dummies dressed in black attire. Their eerie presence, suspended from the gallows by rough hewn ropes, sent a wave of unease through my body. It was as if time had frozen in this desolate spot, where darkness and mystery coalesced. my fiance, Stasha, and I decided to make a quick stop at Hatchet Creek for some fishing while on our way back from Flag Mountain. It was our first time seeing this area in daylight, and we were eager to enjoy its natural beauty. As luck would have it, Stasha urgently needed to relieve herself, so she ventured about 25 yards to my right to find a suitable spot. She mentioned that she was also on her menstrual cycle Adding a peculiar detail to the unfolding events. After being away for about five minutes, a loud crack shattered the peaceful atmosphere. Stasha quickly recounted that the sound came from a big tree branch breaking, merely 20 feet away from her. It was an unusual occurrence since there was no wind to cause such disturbance, and none of the surrounding trees showed any signs of movement. Upon her return, We were astonished to witness a large tree being forcefully toppled no more than 35 yards in front of us. It was a sight that defied rational explanation. The timing and proximity of these events led us to wonder if Stasha's pheromones might have attracted an alpha male Bigfoot. As she continued fishing, I couldn't resist exploring the area further. To my astonishment, I stumbled upon what appeared to be a footprint that could only belong to a Bigfoot. Excitedly, I captured several photos as evidence. Intrigued, I decided to follow the creek bed to my left and soon discovered even more distinct footprints, including one that resembled a massive handprint. It was a chilling and exhilarating moment, as I had never before encountered footprints like the ones I found that day. Leaving the footprints behind temporarily, we hurriedly departed to gather some casting powder, Returning to the site around 5.45 p.m., we began the meticulous process of casting the footprints. We allowed the casting material to set undisturbed for at least an hour, as dusk gradually descended upon the landscape. It was then, in the vicinity of the fallen tree, that we were startled by a series of haunting vocalizations, a distinct hoo-hoo-ha sound that sent a shiver down our spines. Intrigued and captivated by these inexplicable occurrences, I found myself drawn back to the area on three separate occasions. During my first return visit, a close call shook us to the core when a rock narrowly missed striking the head of a colleague who accompanied me. Several months later, when we revisited the location, we were surprised to find a group of kids camping nearby. The night took an unexpected turn when one of the kids' fathers overcome with fear charged into the woods, brandishing a shotgun in an attempt to confront whatever had terrified them. Finally, on our most recent visit, Stasher and I managed to capture unidentifiable figures on thermal imaging, further adding to the enigma that surrounded Hatchet Creek. These encounters have left an indelible mark on our lives, igniting a curiosity and fascination for the unknown. We continue to seek answers. Yearning to unravel the mysteries that lie hidden within the depths of the wilderness, forever humbled by the untamed forces that coexist alongside us. This story begins on a cool summer night in the city of Issaquah, Washington, in the year of 1989. I was a patrol sergeant on night shift with a squad of four officers. The night had been uneventful until approximately 3 a.m., myself and an officer, I will identify as John, responded to an alarm at a business located in an exclusive shopping area known as Gilman Village. It is made up of older homes and buildings that were moved into an area near Isaqua Creek connected by a wooden walkway. Gilman Village is a very popular shopping destination for tourists and locals alike. I, as a police officer, enjoyed walking through the complex while working night shift for the exercise and to window shop at the many interesting stores. Receiving alarms at the different businesses throughout Gilman was common and most of the time uneventful. But on this particular night there was nothing common or uneventful about it. John and I responded to the alarm at a business which was then called the Levy Coat Factory. We performed an outer perimeter check of the building and found it to be secure. Dispatch made phone contact with the owner who declined to respond to allow us to check the interior of the building. John and I returned to the parking lot located on the northwest side of the complex. This is the area where we had parked our patrol units. John and I stood outside and carried on a conversation in the dimly lit parking lot approximately 60 to 70 feet away from the buildings in that portion of the village. The buildings were to my left and to John's right. Both of us noticed an unusual movement near the eaves of one of the buildings. It was a ball of light about the size of a cantaloupe, moving slowly from left to right, following the area just below the eaves. The light was very intense. We started the light until it disappeared around the south side of the building. Goosebumps prevailed. Officer John and I looked at each other, eyes wide open, each asking at the same time, Did you see that? What we had seen was strange enough, but nothing compared to what we were about to witness. While we stood and talked about the strange event, our eyes were once again drawn to the northwest corner of the same building, only this time it was the lower corner. A perfect ball of very intense light, approximately one foot off the ground, floated around the corner. The ball was about four feet in diameter, and once again, a perfect sphere. The thing that made me speechless was what I had seen inside the sphere. Walking upright was, for the lack of any other word, a creature walking. The arms swung back and forth and the hands were turned with its fingers pointed to the rear. As the sphere progressed along the side of the building, it went behind bushes that grew in between the sphere and the parking lot. The light was visible through the openings of the bush and it was very clear that it was not being projected. As I recall, at least a full three minutes passed before either John or I could speak. To put it lightly, we were terrorized by the unknown. This event changed the way I think and look at stories by others claiming encounters with the unknown. John and I never spoke about the event until 2010. work supply in the Air Force, and we have a couple creepy stories about our warehouse that I always thought were just the other guys having fun. So one night I stayed up real late and decided to go sleep at the shop to catch a couple hours of sleep before work. I kept all the lights off and passed out in the office, and about an hour in I start to wake up to all these noises, sounds like someone's running around the warehouse, so I look out the doorway and don't see anything and all of a sudden, there's a crash in the room next to mine. The chair was spinning and stopped perfectly facing the desk I was at, and all the computer screens turned on. I went outside and smoked till everyone else showed up lol.